Country Road, a story in three parts. Part 1. It all started about three and a half years ago. My uncle's mother-in-law had passed away, leaving her house that she'd had since the 60s to them. Long story short, they wanted to sell the house because, we'll call her Ronnie, had taken a reverse mortgage. They wanted it gone so they could pay whatever dues were on the house. So they cleaned it out and it sat on the market for about six months after she died. One day, after seeing the apartment we'd been living in, my uncle suggested to my mom that we should be living in the country roadhouse until it's sold. He said he needed someone to watch the house because they were getting tired of going back and forth to check up on it. My mother told us, and we all agreed, so we started packing. We moved in the day after Thanksgiving, because the night before we had a wonderful Thanksgiving dinner at my uncle's. As we were moving our boxes, my mother told us that she had just had the weirdest experience. She was unpacking a box by the back glass door. She glanced up and saw a girl standing there. She quickly glanced back down, thinking it was me. She was about to say something to me when she looked up and realized it was gone. My uncle laughed at her story, saying that was nothing compared to his. He said that about a month before, while he was checking the house, he had been looking around the kitchen when all of a sudden he heard Ronnie call his name from the back room. My uncle is a big guy. If you were to see him, you would swear that he was in the mafia or something. But the truth is, he has the heart of a teddy bear. He said the moment he heard his name, he ran out of the house and just stood on the street for about 15 minutes before getting the courage and locking the door. My little brother then came out of the house shocked that everyone was outside because he had seen a shadow figure in my parents' room. Before I go on, let me tell you a little bit about the house so that it's easier to see in your mind. The house is located in the middle of Alhambra and San Gabriel right in the little hills. Right down our street was a park with a tiny observatory. It wasn't a gated community, but there was a gate down the middle of the street. If looking from above, we lived on the right of it, our little N-shaped house. Within the first week, my brother noticed something. They had put up bunk beds so the two boys had more room. My younger brother slept on top. There was a huge window on the wall opposite the beds. It faced the neighbors on the other side of the gate. For some reason, my brother did not like the window, so he slept facing his wall. While well, he noticed that the design of the wall seemed to make a picture, the next morning he traced that picture with a pencil and called all of us to look at it. Unfortunately, I don't have a picture of it, and I'm regretting it. It showed two figures. One looked humanish, kneeling with his hands in front of him. He was begging the ghost-like figure, who looked like it was scolding him. Within that same week, I had a nightmare. Like everyone, I've had nightmares before, but I had never had one about my room. In my dream, I was sleeping in bed when I could see this black shadow hand come out from under my bed and try to yank me down there. I woke up and bolted out of my room, heart racing. After a month or so, we were back into our normal routine. We would hear something and ignore it. I had another dream of my room. Still, same story, but this time I had gotten out of its grasp and woken up. Then we noticed that money seemed to be slipping through our hands. I don't know who, but someone had brought up Feng Shui to my father. If you don't believe in Feng Shui, it's real. When you walk into our house from the front door, you see an arch from the wooden sliding doors being opened. Beyond that is the glass back door. 
This is bad because in Feng Shui, it means that when you bring money, it goes straight out, which we learned in the end was the major reason the house was not selling. My father is a big skeptic, but as we lived there, he kept saying that something bad was in the house. My parents even told me that while they were laying in bed, they would hear someone in the kitchen. My mother thought it could have been Ronnie since she liked to cook. We had a beautiful cat with us at the time. I remember one time I was getting ready for bed when all of a sudden he was watching someone move around my room. I felt very uncomfortable and went back to my parents' room. I told them what had happened and started crying because I was afraid of going back to my room. They told me I could spend the night with them. I was afraid of my room. My parents would notice I would sleep flush to the wall with the blankets over my head. It was just all the dreams I would have about my room. Then, one night, I had a horrible experience. I believe it was the morning time, and I had awakened to something on top of my body. I could not move or talk, and all I could see was darkness. I could feel hands on my neck and something pressing my hands and feet together. I tried to open my mouth to scream or make a noise, and every time I tried, the pressure would build up. Finally, it released, and I ran out of my room almost tripping. My parents were watching TV and asked what the matter was. I told them of my dream and started crying, showing them that I could feel the hands on my neck. Part 2 I kept experiencing the dreams and whatever was in my room. I even had one while I was taking a nap in my parents' room. I started to become afraid to go to sleep. I really did not feel comfortable in the house we lived in. My cat had died around a week or two before my birthday. He'd become sick and I was heartbroken. I had him since I was a baby, so he was quite old. Later he died under my bed, so I was not going through a great time. A week after my cat died, my father was sleeping in bed when all of a sudden he felt fur against his leg, like it was coming up his body. He said he didn't panic because he believed that it was my cat, since he liked to sleep in their bed. Around the third or fourth time I woke up and felt something on top of me, I decided to do some research. I was completely surprised when I found out I was experiencing an amazing phenomenon called sleep paralysis. For those of you who don't know what sleep paralysis is, it's when your body awakens, but it's a false awakening, and you are paralyzed. You either feel something on top of your body, or you hallucinate. I was so happy when I found out what it was. I told my father about it, and he said he had experienced that too when he was a boy. He said it would scare him, until one day, while it was happening to him and he became aware of it, he started to float out of his body. He said after that, he never experienced it again. After I had discovered what was bothering me for about a month, I didn't experience it, and I thought whatever it was had left. Then, one night I woke up, I'm not even sure if it was sleep paralysis or just a dream or somehow both, but something was gnawing on my right ankle. I could feel it moving my leg back and forth. I felt the teeth biting into my flesh. I woke up and ran out of my room crying. I believe that was the last time I experienced anything in my room. I'm sorry if I can't recall dates or times that it happened. I never thought I would be writing it down. I remember one night I was going to say goodnight to my mom. I stood at the doorway to her bedroom, seeing her in the covers from the light on the dining room. I crept in quietly so I would not wake her up and stood right near her. It was pretty dark in the room, so I couldn't see her face. I only saw the blankets move as she breathed. I said goodnight to her, and she moved her feet or something like that. I then walked quietly out of the room, 
I said goodnight to my brothers, who were watching TV while my father was passed out on the floor, and as I turned into the hallway that led to my room, I walked right into my mother. I was shocked, because just a minute ago I said goodnight to her in bed. The first thing I asked her was why she was there. She told me that she had gone to the other bathroom to brush her teeth. I told her I had just been in the room saying goodnight to her. She said she hadn't been in her room at all because she was checking the laundry in the garage. Even to this day, I wonder who I was talking to that night. My mother had a lot of things happen to her. I don't think she would ever tell us everything that happened, but she told us a few stories. I don't know if this was before or after what happened above, but she had been laying in bed trying to sleep when all of a sudden she felt someone touching her body. She looked over to my father, who was turned away from her passed out. I'm guessing she asked it to stop, and it did. She would see things in the house when no one was home. I remember one time she took a shower and the water was taking a really long time to drain. She was thinking that she wished it would just stop because she was tired of the drains not working properly. All of a sudden she heard a gurgling noise and the water suddenly swirled around the drain and was gone. She was silent after that, wondering who was in the bathroom with her. The last story my mother told, she woke up in the middle of the night to use the restroom and use the other bathroom so she would not wake up my dad. She used it, and as she was washing her hands, from the wall mirror opposite the toilet, she watched the little lever on the toilet move down by itself and flush itself again. She said the whole walk back to the bedroom was almost painful because she felt someone was right behind her, and she was praying she would get to bed okay. A lot has happened in the bathrooms now that I think about it. My brother was brushing his teeth with the door open, and he saw something from the reflection of the mirror walk by the outside of the bathroom. This is why I brush my teeth with the door closed. Another thing, we had running water, which is apparently also really bad in Feng Shui, in all the sinks. Above in the brother's room, the ceiling on one part was collecting water, and started to soak up and have little pieces fall to the ground. I think the scariest thing that happened in the bathroom was the master bathroom's door. I had always noticed that interesting pattern on the door, but I never really thought about it until a few months after we moved out. My parents were fighting, and so I used their ensuite restroom. As I sat there listening to them, I turned towards the door and noticed how the two patterns showed almost two screaming faces. Combine that with my parents fighting, it gave the whole experience an overall creepy sensation. When I was done, I interrupted them and asked them if they ever noticed the two screaming people in the bathroom. They were confused and asked me to show them, which I did, and I started crying. The longer we lived in the house, the more activity seemed to increase. During that time when I was experiencing my dreams and sleep paralysis, I would try to stay awake as long as possible so that when I went to bed, it would be like 2 or 3 in the morning. I really didn't mind staying up, it was just that when I had to go to my room, I didn't like it. I would always feel as though someone was following behind me or waiting for me outside the bathroom door. Even when I did make it to my room, I would close the door hoping nothing would come in. My cousin would sleep over a lot with my brothers. He said that one night after video games, they went to sleep. It was only my cousin and my younger brother that slept out in the front room. One night, while my cousin was sleeping, he said he heard someone whisper his name. We told him the house was haunted, which he thought was cool, and he kept staying over. Part 3 my father experienced only three things in the house. One time he was up late and he saw Ronnie run around the corner into the hallway that led to our rooms. 
He said she looked like a blur. The second happened when we were moving out of the house. While my father was cooking one time, he thought he saw someone in the backyard and went outside to investigate. He looked everywhere but couldn't find anything. He swears he saw it. The last thing that happened to my father was when we were moving out. I was at work, so I was told this after he picked me up. My mother had gone to storage to put some boxes in there. While she was gone, my father had wanted to go into the garage. But what he didn't know was that my mother had taken the keys and locked it. He went to the front opening and tried the door, jiggling it and pushing it in and out. It was locked. He then went to the back way to try that door as well. It was also locked. So he decided to look for something to help him open the lock. He was looking around the backyard when he found a piece of tape. He thought it might help him, and he walked back to the garage door. As he was rearing around the corner to my window, he watched as the garage door swung open. He thought nothing of it, thinking my brother had found the key and opened it from the other side. He rushed over to the door and peered inside the garage and called my brother. My brother answered, and my father realized he was out on the hill the whole time. My youngest brother had three things happen to him as well. One which happened when we first moved in, and then two more which I'm going to tell you about. The same day the garage door opened for my dad, my brother experienced something later that night. He was taking something out to the car, and as he was out there, he felt someone or something following him. He said he heard someone walking behind him, and he hurried back inside the house. Before I tell you the next story, let me give you some background. This happened about four days before we moved out. Most of the furniture was already gone, and my brother's room was cleared out except for a makeshift bed, which he was sleeping on since his mattress was packed away. My older brother was off on a school trip and wouldn't be back for a few days. So since he had this big space in his room, I decided to put my blankets and pillows and bags of clothes in there to make more room for me. I didn't think anything of it. They had taken my bed as well, so I was sleeping in the front room. The first night I left my stuff in my brother's room, nothing happened. The second night, well, that was a little different. It was a Saturday night. My parents had just taken their bed and put it in storage as well, so all three of us were having a slumber party in the front room. We begged my brother to come join us, but he said he'd rather sleep in his room. I'm still surprised when what happened to him didn't make him come straight out to us. He said he was awoken at around one in the morning to the sound of the house creaking. He thought nothing of it and tried to go back to sleep. All of a sudden, he heard a light tapping at his window. The window that he never liked since we moved in. Suddenly, he heard someone on the carpet, like they were wearing slippers and shuffling their feet. He heard this rustling noise coming from down the hallway, almost as if it was coming from my room. He knew that it was none of us because we were all fast asleep. It kept getting louder and closer as it walked toward his room. It was pitch black in there, and he was just staring at the wall. He heard it walk near his bed. He decided to see what it was and took his flashlight and shone it in that direction. Suddenly, whatever it was took off running in the direction of my stuff, almost like it was hiding. My brother had had enough of this and put on his headphones and listened to his music full blast. He said that even though his music was still loud, he could hear it walking around the room until he fell asleep. The next morning we moved, and the only unusual thing that happened was one of the garage lights blew up. Thankfully, no one was near it, and no one got hurt. And me? I'm just glad we're out of that house.
These experiences happened in our previous house. Actually, for me, it was the only place I could ever call my home. My parents sold the house five years ago for reasons I couldn't really comprehend until now. I will be sharing those bits of weird and paranormal experience I've had while we lived there. The house was built when I was three months old, in an old subdivision here. My parents said they decided to have a house of their own when I was born, and our neighbors believed, and I also believed, that as I grew, the house was growing with me. Not relative to size exactly, but maturity. Our neighbors from that subdivision always told me that we had acquired one of the scarier lots. Older people who have been in that neighborhood for many years before us said that way back when our lot was just an empty piece of land, they would see falling stars, which seemed to hit in that particular area very often, and they believed that those falling stars were actually spirits. When I was young, I shared a room with my nanny in our three-bedroom house. Our room was in the middle and parallel to my parents' and older sister's room. Facing the room's door outside, my parents' room was at the left-hand side and my sister's at the right. Our room was only separated by a divider from my parents' room, an unusual arrangement that would become more important later on. So basically you could talk with the people in the next room. When I was a kid, every night I would have nightmares, probably because of the things I would watch on television. I would always wake up in the middle of the night, sometimes crying and full of sweat. The thing is, even when my nanny was just on the other bed beside mine, I would knock on my parents' door to sleep with them. I wouldn't sleep between my mom and my dad, but on the side of the bed next to the wall. Then I felt safe enough to sleep. When I was a teenager, the house was expanded and a lot of changes were made structurally. My parents' room became my room, my old room became the maid's quarters, the garage became my parents' room, and the empty space on the right side of the house became the garage and also a path to the backyard. There were only two ways to the backyard, one through the garage from the front porch and two through the dining room next to my parents' room from inside. These two ways are completely on opposite sides of the house. One time I came out of my room and headed towards the backyard, along the small hallway to the dining room and past my nanny as she was going the opposite direction. I told her I was headed outside. When I got out the door from the dining room, my nanny was there, talking with the maids. I just ran back inside the house. My running inside scared the nanny and the other maids, and they ran after me thinking something had happened. I was actually looking for a trap door that my nanny could have used to get to the backyard before me. When they asked me what was up, I just laughed and said I was trying to scare them. For some reason, they believed me. It wasn't until years later that I would learn the term doppelganger. The house, I believe, was tied to how we felt, but I don't know if we influenced the house or if it was the other way around. There was a time when everybody in the house became hostile with each other. Not only my parents arguing, but my sister arguing with the maids, and my nanny arguing with my sister, and the other maids arguing with each other. This lasted for several days, and at the same time I had a fever that lasted almost a week. I also remember my nanny saying that she'd heard angry voices inside the house when I was sad, and she'd often see someone laying in bed in the maids' quarters, even when everyone else was outside. My parents moved to another house, the one we're living in now, which left the master bedroom unoccupied for a very long time. My parents would only be at our house for weekends, and sometimes they would stay for one night a week, max. I would often go inside their room to take unused perfumes and other things. One time, everyone was seated at the dining table, and I went inside my parents' room, and then I was on my way out, I tried to close the door, but I felt a strong tug on the door from the inside. It wasn't friction or traction, because I actually felt a 
pulling against the force I was trying to exert. It was so powerful that the door was actually pulled back a few inches, and everyone who's at the dining room saw. They looked at me with seemingly dumbstruck expressions, and I tried to laugh it off, saying, I guess someone in there didn't want me to close the door just yet. There was also a time when my sister and I both had fever that lasted for more than a week. This tortured my mother because she's a doctor, but she still felt powerless to help us. She's a good doctor, too, so it really, really hurt her that she couldn't do anything for us. She stayed close to us, first checking on me, and then my sister. The last day of the fever, she came into my room, and I told her that my grandfather had visited me in my dream, and he was smiling. She checked my temperature, and I was still feverish, so she shrugged it off as a hallucination. When she went into my sister's room, both her and my sister smelled my grandfather's cologne. It was so clear and unexpected and without any rational cause, they both cried. Right after that, my fever was gone, and I was able to leave my bed. It was the same for my sister a little bit later in the day. I have also had those half-asleep moments at night when you can't move and when you scream, no sound comes out. Well, for me, it happens often. Sometimes there are even periods where it happens every night. Apparently, when I was a little girl, even though the screams don't seem to produce any sound for me, my nanny from the other room always used to hear me shouting her name, and she would open my door and wake me up. It was so weird because I never even once actually called her name. I was just screaming. So how did she hear my voice calling her name? Camping on the North Shore My story happened while camping on the north shore of Lake Superior with my Girl Scout troop last year. The camp we were staying at wasn't a bad camp. It was actually very nice. I don't remember the name of it, though. There were three campgrounds in the camp, the one the furthest back being the largest. Since we had a big troop, that was where we were staying. At dinner, the troop was split into two groups. I was the leader of one, so it was my job to get a fire going. I sent two of the girls to get firewood while I cleaned up the fireplace and looked for matches. When I looked over to see if the girls had gotten any firewood, I saw four hikers walking towards camp, then vanish. I figured it had to have been my imagination, so I just shook it off. It was getting dark, and one of the girls had to go to the bathroom, so my friend and I went with her. The porta potty thing was where you first drove into the camp, so we had to walk about five minutes to get there. She went in, and we waited outside for her to finish. Ten minutes later, she was still in there. We had just heard something make noises in the woods, so we were about to yell at her to hurry up when the bathroom door burst open and she came out, her face white. We asked her what was wrong, and she said that there had been a green light at the bottom of the toilet. We told her this wasn't the time to be messing around, but she looked so scared that we decided to have a look. Sure enough, there was a strange green light in the bottom of the toilet. We ran back to the camp and explained what we saw, but no one believed us. Little did we know, that was about to change. Just as we were getting ready for bed, a girl outside our tent said, Oh my God, come quick! We came out and looked at her to see what was going on, and everyone was pointing at something in a tree. We looked up and I saw something that startled me. In that tree was the strangest thing I'd ever seen. A cloaked figure, about two and a half feet tall, was sitting there, staring at us. We all scattered, not caring where we went as long as we were going away from what we had just seen. All in, it probably took about half an hour to calm us down and bring us back to camp, and by the time we did, what we had seen was gone. 
But I, and I think most of those girls, will never forget that trip. The Voice in the Hallway My aunt was a very gifted psychic. She and her younger sister, my mother, had seen their share of remarkable things as children in a remote and heavily forested region of the Appalachian Mountains, and they knew that there was more to this world than meets the eye. Still, out of a reverence for two things, the mysterious nature of reality and the sovereign voyage of discovery that each being goes through, my mother at least never shared her experiences or opinions about the supernatural with her children until I had developed an interest in the matter and asked her. What happened at her elder sister's home when I was about 13 then came as a complete shock, and remembering it gives me chills to this day. My aunt lived in a trailer on my grandfather's large farm in Athens County, Ohio. This is a quiet country area with no neighbor for a long, long way. Crickets are all you hear on lovely green summer nights. I would often stay up late with my cousin, her son, watching a movie or listening to him play guitar. We had been watching a movie that night until quite late, I recall, before we both retired. His room was at one end of the trailer, while my aunt's room was at the other end. My young sister and I were staying with her. My sister was sharing the bed with her while I had an arrangement of pillows to sleep on the floor at the foot of the bed. Between the two bedrooms was the living room, kitchen, and hallway. If you know the general layout of a trailer, it is basically a long rectangle, much longer than it is wide. I had just laid down to sleep on the floor when I heard footsteps near the kitchen along the hallway. The door to my aunt's bedroom where I lay was open, so I was readily able to see that no lights had been turned on by who I assumed must have been my cousin as he made his way along the hallway, perhaps to the kitchen for a late night snack. Hey, it was his house. Maybe he didn't need the lights to get as far as the kitchen, and then perhaps have the benefit of the open fridge light to go by. The footsteps halted and then started again. They had passed the kitchen. They seemed a bit slow, but continued towards us. Then the footsteps stopped quite near the entrance to the bedroom where I lay, just outside its door in the hallway. I tried to tell myself that the bathroom entrance was near there too, so perhaps that was where my cousin was walking. Suddenly, a clearly adult, female voice said my aunt's name in a plaintive and forlorn manner. Betty, the voice slowly and lowly called. Did you hear that? I asked my aunt. Maybe it was my little sister. I think she suggested. I flew from the floor to the bed where I could clearly see my seven-year-old sister sleeping soundly. Besides, the voice was not that of a seven-year-old by any means, but it was the only other logical possibility. Watching my sister sleeping away and not moving her mouth in the least, the slow, forlorn call was made from the hallway again. Betty. I had observed firsthand at the same time of the second calling out that it was indeed not my little sister. At this point, I was lying between my aunt and my little sister, scared out of my wits, when my aunt calmly asks aloud, I wonder who's trying to contact me? I was amazed at her completely calm reaction to the whole matter. Her demeanor reassured me enough that I was finally able to fall asleep. A month or so later, when we again went to visit my aunt, she had an idea of who the voice had belonged to, and the nature of their reason for contacting her. Seven years prior, my aunt's younger sister had been killed in an automobile accident. My Aunt Betty's son, my cousin, was a great aficionado of cars, the faster the better, 
He was planning to buy a car, which, unbeknownst to him, was the same make and model as the one my aunt's younger sister had been killed in. It was her, my aunt reasoned, reaching out from beyond to issue a warning to my aunt about her son in the car. He did not buy the car, as it turned out. I was never clear if my aunt had said something to him before he decided not to buy it, or he had just not bought it without her having said anything. I had heard the voice of my aunt's younger sister in life as well, but only when I was a very young child, and I had never heard her speak in a slow, sad, plaintive tone of voice, so I couldn't say that it was or was not her in any definitive manner. I would say that it could have been her voice, yes, but I was also never 100% convinced that this had been the nature of the spirit voice's warning. It seemed awfully dramatic and remarkable of a manifestation for such a simple thing. Indeed, for a thing that never happened. I mean, he didn't buy the car in the end. But I think I have to defer to my aunt on this one. Perhaps if he had, something dire was foreseen by my aunt's younger sister and she was coming to warn her about it so they could avert it. I have heard that in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, it says that once in the spirit world, we beings are seven times more psychic than we were in life. Perhaps she had a longer view of what was to come and so crossed the great gulf to get my aunt's attention in time. 